What is up, guys? And welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are my three great co-hosts, Federico Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, here we are, a new month. It is officially the 1st of March at the time of recording. Hump day, of course, for some people that do celebrate that. Uh, but obviously, we do have to talk about what's been going on in, obviously, our local league Obviously, a big game happening this weekend between two powerhouses. We'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll talk about what's been going on in the Copa Libertadores for two Paraguayan sides, how one side definitely will feel a bit more happier than the other side, given the fact that both of them are in the neighborhood. So one half of the neighborhood is happy. The other one, I don't think so. But we'll be discussing that. We'll also be talking about what happened in the EFL Cup final featuring our Rario Miguel Miron for Newcastle against Manchester United. And much more that's been going on. Now let's go to someone who apparently is feeling very lucky. I don't know if Fede was doing this on, on purpose because it's the first day of March. Uh, maybe he's already in the mood that he wants to go and party out on St. Patrick's Day already. Although I don't know how big it is in Northern Paraguay. But let's see if some teams are feeling lucky this month with big games happening on Fede. So how are you, man? And uh, yeah, happy first day of March. Yeah. Hi, Roberto. Uh, yeah, we're starting this third month. I did not think about that when I, when I was putting this shirt on. A green shirt that says uh, feeling lucky. Um, yeah, it is March. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming. I know it's a huge ho holiday in the States. Uh, obviously, it's like, an, it's like an Irish tradition, right, Ralph? Uh, but it's scattered all over the world. It's not that big here. Maybe, you know, people that like to drink beer and stuff like that go out and have an excuse to do it. <laughs> on that day especially but no I, I was not thinking about that when I put this shirt on but hey we all need our luck right so uh, at least one of our uh, one of the two teams that's competing in, in the Libertadores had that luck uh, I'm talking about Cerro Porteño they pretty much didn't need much luck because the, the rival was not that 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 much of a threat for them I'm talking about Curicó in, in both matches but for Nacional I mean talk about their luck uh, running totally out especially on those last minutes. Uh, what a game that was. We definitely got to talk about what happened in Libertadores this week. Uh, as for the local league, uh, another change of, of manager. I was seeing that General Caballero let go of theirs. Uh, Humberto Velar, after losing, had to quit his job. Troadio Duarte, the former Guaidenia manager, now takes over. This is his, just, just his uh, second game, his second uh, job as a head coach in first division. We'll see how he does. Uh, and this is, I believe, the third change already, right, that we've had in, in just five weeks of games uh, in the Apertura. Trinidense, the big surprise, I would say, uh, so far after five games, obviously Libertad at top and, and, and making the gap even bigger because Olympia and Cerro Porteño couldn't win this past weekend. That's how they uh, get, go now to, this, uh, to face each other in the Central Classico that's coming up probably not in their top shape, especially Olympia, because they haven't been able to win uh, after two games. So we definitely got to do this preview uh, about that, about the Super Classico. And then there were some weird uh, show-ups show of, the, of the bar this weekend. Uh, <laughs> some interesting calls that we should probably uh, also talk about. Alan Pereira was fighting for the ball against Beto Espinola in the game against Cerro Porteño, and he was called off for using his, his finger the wrong way. If you guys want to look at, at a weird video on the internet. And, and then there was also in General Caballero's game, uh, a, a player sent off for, for taunting uh, somebody in the stands. Apparently somebody was shouting and shouting at a player, uh, Tobias Castellano, and he looked at the stands and called somebody fat. And, and, and the bar picked that image of, you know, bar does, does not let anything go. And they had to send him off. So Bar had had his job uh, this week, and they had to do their their work. And uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on here, Roberto. Not just football, but even these kind of bloopers also that are part of our Paraguayan football. Never never cease to um, be boring over there in Paraguay. There's always it's something that's think, going you've on. You've seen everything here. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then here's the crazy part. It's like. It, it could get much weirder and, and maybe we'll probably see that this year. I mean, Ralph, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting because I, I, I didn't want to go into this discussion, but I definitely wanted to mention it because I'm sure you've seen it, you know, when you've been to Paraguay so many times, you think as if though you've seen it all, you've seen, I don't know, like dog invasions on the, on the pitch, you know, 
floodlight failures and and just you know issues of like you know violence and all that kind of stuff but now seeing these kind of incidents with var and just kind of like other like mis thing like a bunch of misfits going on it's like what more do you do you want like how much can Paraguayan football offer to you at least for the for the common people over there the the gift that keeps giving because we're not even talking about there's a great story from the 50s when a guy downed an airplane with a with a football which is a great story we'll talk about one day but he got so annoyed about an airplane flying over his games he just kicked the ball really high and made the the airplane fall down so i mean this is nothing new this has been going on forever and in Paraguay and I mean I was really surprised with the with the second VAR decision that Fede mentions because the first one has a president which a precedent which was uh Harra and Cavani and it's unsportsmanlike conduct we're talking about Alan Pereira's wayward finger but um but the second one the taunting the crowd if you think usually a player if they score a goal and then they go to the wrong section of the crowd and they taunt them they usually get a yellow card so it was interesting to see like a straight red for this it was a game anyway that Trinidense were, were dominating. Trinidense looked really good. And, and that's a really good game coming up this weekend. But it, all our focus is going to be on the Classical because it's, it's the biggest game. But don't forget, Libertad, the leaders are playing Trinidense who are second. And that could actually be a really exciting game. Trinidense might be the team to, to try and stop Libertad. So uh, they're, they're playing really well as well. But, but that incident was yeah just another kind of series of of strange things we'll see and it's definitely not going to stop there i'm sure we've got much more coming this way and especially with the classical and jean fernandez is probably back for for serring goal and remember he got sent off one time before the game even started for taunting the crowd so you never know what could happen no you can't you cannot never know and, and going into bragging rights and go to maria on this one because obviously you know like Ralph had said, yes, obviously there is a big clash between right now, first and second, Liberta and Trinidense. That's going to be played uh, on the weekend, the last game of the of the weekend. But of course, with the Super Classico, it's going to be played at the Manuel Ferreira at Para Uno. You would think a, a, a raucous crowd is going to be there. And, you know, Olympia don't typically lose at home. I mean, especially in Super Classicos like this. So, you know, this and we'll, we'll get to the game uh, later on but yeah I mean given the fact that both the teams aren't looking so hot in, in in the way of not like dominating the first positions you know like I said Seto right now in third with nine points Olympian fifth with seven you know a win for both these teams is absolutely necessary and it could change their season like that if they're able to get uh, victory uh, on the weekend yeah that's true uh, Roberto hey guys um it's definitely a one of the classicals that they're they're mostly alike, um, and and you know there's not a lot of uh, difference in between them right now. Uh, they both need a win. They both have been playing more or less. None of them are on the top of the table. So it's 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 kind of um, it's kind of like a you know a, a, a game of luck in this uh, just like feather shirt. So it'll be it'll be a really exciting game, I think, because you know you never you don't know which one is 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 doing well. We'll talk about you know what each uh, team needs and what they need to improve on. But um, I think that definitely maybe in this case, um, Olympia could have some kind of um, uh, uh, some kind of um, the 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 good side of the card because you know they're gonna be playing at at, at home so. That's kind of like a good thing for them, but you know, they they they've had all this uh crazy stuff going on for them as well. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think it's gonna be an exciting game nonetheless. Super classicals are are always fun to watch. And you like you guys said, you never know uh what could happen in any of these games. Maybe we'll have another crazy, strange occurrence this uh time around as well. We'll see. We'll definitely be watching it. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like some sort of, I don't know, like an invasion of dogs. You always see the one dog going on the pitch. Maybe we just get a bunch of dogs and like everyone's trying to stop and delays the game for like 20 minutes. That's on that's on my card right now as the if I had to pick a random bet of like what crazy thing could happen. But we'll get to the Super Gossip Goat later. Let's talk about what happened in the Lira Thawards because obviously we saw two teams uh, from Paraguay obviously battling out in the qualifying stages, the, the second stage of the Lira Thawards. 
Uh, the first one that we'll definitely mention is the one that ended up being the luckier team, and that's Cerro Porteño. Cerro Porteño obviously coming off the 1-0 win over Coriolino Unido over there in Chile, a late goal from Juan Patino in the first leg. Going into the second leg, however, it was a bit of a more tighter game. You, you saw Cerro Porteño waste a bunch of chances uh, early on. Uh, Unido was very, very close to scoring as well, but it took a goal from someone that I think uh, is rightly starting to fight in his form this season after you know missing out a majority of last season in Robert Morales, La Pantera. Uh, Morales uh, getting the goal um, in the 51st minute. Uh, we did see a missed penalty from Diego Churin as well uh, in this game. So, you know, Fede, going to you on this one, I think it's really much a, a performance that, yeah, it was expected. I mean, you know, certainly the scoreline perhaps demonstrates that maybe it wasn't the most convincing performance given the quality that both the teams have and the kind of the gap between them. So one would feel like, yeah, it's a good result. Obviously, you know, the fact that now they're in the next stage, they're going to wait the winner of at the time of recording either Fortaleza or of Brazil or Deportivo Maldonado of Uruguay. I think Fortaleza is the favorite to qualify. So maybe you would see another Brazilian team taking on um, a Paraguayan team instead of Porteño, but I think a lot has to be made on this side and there still has to be a lot of improvement for that game because I, I just, from what I've saw from these last two games, even with the, a new manager like Facundo Salva, who maybe still tries to implement his idea, maybe it's just not convincing um, a lot of the fans, the pundits, people who watch them. And one would think, you know, how much more time do we have to give a man, uh, a manager like uh, Facundo Salva? Well, let's remember, right, when they when they changed from Chiqui Arce to Facundo Saba, this team hadn't lost yet. So they were getting the results, but they weren't looking uh, 100%. I mean, this team is still far from reaching its best level. That's what I think as of right now. Uh, you can see that individually the players can do so much more in the pitch. They, they, they can contribute to much more, uh, and, and this team just needs to keep on building. But you're seeing... Something from Facundo Saba, which is repeating the team. I mean, he put the same 11 against Curico that, that he put in Santiago just a week ago. So, so clearly he's looking at, at this team and he's seeing himself uh, reflected on, on what he's seeing on the pitch. He's happy, uh, apparently. If not, you're going to change it up around, even if you win. So, so, so he's getting the response. Even though you won just by a goal in Santiago, you, you couldn't. You couldn't score all the, all the chances that you had. I think we said that on the last episode. And it was pretty much the same match again uh, th that I saw last night. I was at the stadium and, you know, the atmosphere was there. Yes, obviously, a Cerro Porteño, the, the minutes were going, uh, the, the minutes were passing. And you seen that the team couldn't score, that, that Morales was, was missing his chances, that, that Churin wasn't getting the ball in, inside the box. Uh, that, you, that you were seeing that Claudio Aquino, Pachi Carrizo, they, they weren't having a great game. Uh, they weren't making the best passes. Cerro Porteño fans were starting to get worried until that bar decision, uh, until that penalty. And then it was Diego Churin's big, uh, big shot. It was his opportunity to put fans again by his side, even though he, he is one of the favorites uh, of the fans. Um, you know, he's had trouble with the penalties before, especially in Super Classicals. Uh, fans don't. Don't don't forget that very easily. And I, I did not like the way he shot that ball. He he did not look like a specialist. And I, I thought it was going to be Claudio Aquino. He had the ball with him the whole time. It, it, I think it was just a strategy. Uh, we're seeing that a lot lately in football. A player get the ball, go to the penalty uh, uh, point, and and just wait there to absorb all the uh, absorb all the pressure uh, the opponents get to him. And, and then Diego Turin takes over and he puts the ball on the bar. Uh, and, and, and that was just, and it was heartbreaking for him. And especially because, you know, you want to see him come uh, and show up in this, in this big stage, just like Robert Morales is doing pretty much in every game. I think he's taken it uh, upon him to, to have a special Libertadores this time around. He, he couldn't play it last year. And this is the best tournament for the players. This is, uh, this is the tournament they're waiting for to, to, to make a name for themselves also. And I think Robert Morales it is probably one of the best players that this team has, and he's doing just great. Uh, just starting the year like he like he wasn't injured. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing the 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 same Robert Morales I saw before the injury, and the fans love him. Uh, and they they love to see him score. 
and and he's making it happen. He, he's getting his opportunities, and he's the only one that's really hot for the strikers right now in Cerro Porteño because then you had Brian Samudio again, Marcelo Moreno Marquez coming in the game, and oh my God, Ralph Maria, I cannot believe what my eyes saw. Marcelo Moreno Martins having two, three opportunities that were just so clear. Cerro Porteño should have won by two, three goals. I just don't believe, I just can't believe that they only won one zero. They had so many opportunities. It was it could have been just pure confidence before the Super Classico. And it was just a one zero match after all. Yeah, it's, it's like you're saying, Fede, that they're still winning games, but there's just something hasn't clicked. There's just there's something's not quite there, but they're getting close because we're talking about how many chances they're missing. So, so they're creating the chances, which is good. But notice again, we talked about this last year. They're creating the chances when one of Aquino or, or Carrizo isn't on the pitch. When they're together, they're still not as good. And so that he has to figure that out, Sava, because that was something Chiquiasi never figured out. Sava's doing it at the moment, but it's not working either. And then, yeah, he has the problem of misfiring goal scorers, especially uh, uh, Marcelo Martins. But but he's got Morales. Morales is such a key player. Remember, Morales actually finished, if, I, if I'm right in thinking, he finished top scorer for Cerro last year, despite the fact he was injured in March. I mean, think about that. <laughs> Nine months out and he was still their top scorer. And he's, assuming no more injuries, he's going to be top scorer again. Or, or assuming he doesn't leave in June because he's that good, he might he might end up moving, right? I mean... I'm sure a lot of um, clubs are interested in him. They were interested in him until the injury. But he's doing really good because he has great movements in the box and he's he's very kind of, he's mobile, right? So he can be all around the pitch. And then alongside him, you're going to have Chorin or you might have Martins or Ferfer. And those guys don't move around as much. So so a, he complements it really well if you're going to play with, with two strikers, which is what Sava looks to do. So... So from that side, things are good. The other person that I think is performing really well is Beto Espinola. Beto Espinola puts in the, the cross for the goal, and, and he's, been, he's been very strong. On, on left-back, Cerro are kind of... They're, they're having some difficulties, I think, because, I mean, Brock couldn't play in the Libertadores. He played in the local league, and Baez was a left-back. Baez was, was centre-back last, uh, last night. He seems to be a more of a... Stronger option, let's say a, a stronger defensive option than Rivas, who Rivas played last night at left back, who's who's a more attacking option. So again, he has something to to decide there. I think on the on the left hand side, but but things are slowly falling into place. And and the good thing for Cerro is they are winning. So the, the foundation that Chiquiase built was, of course, that that winning mentality. I mean, they didn't win the league last year, but they got more points than anybody else. They'd won the league the season before. A lot of those players were involved. So they do have that that good base to get the results when they're not playing uh when they're not playing at their best. But yeah, we need some more time. We need some time to see how it how it molds and gels and and with that strike force that we're talking about with those attacking players, they need to be scoring two goals a game just like Libertad do for example. That's where they're really letting themselves down at the moment because they're not always going to get an opposition as weak as Curicó, who really didn't offer much uh, attacking-wise. So that's, that's maybe the test for Cerro is to make those chances count. Yeah, um, I was just going to mention that I think it was um, it was weird to see that 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 they let Chirin uh, um, do the the penalty kick because uh, apparently he had been missing the last couple of penalty kicks. So it was kind of like a weird decision for from the coach to to let him do that um but yeah I, I mean it could have been a, a much better a much better game uh, like you guys were saying um and 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 I think they have to consider the fact that next time you know in this next uh, phase that they're gonna have tougher opponents so they're gonna have to figure out ways to to make it look to, for them to score more 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 goals because you can't you know yes um defense you know helps win but you got to score to win so um let's see what what they they have to offer hopefully you know this next uh phase of the Libertadores, they can really wake up and Sava can really figure out uh what works best for for the team 
And and I think also as well, I mean, yeah, I, I think this is always the, the big question for Cedro fans. And I think, you know, many people always like to know where their team stands. And, you know, ultimately you want to play in the big competitions. I'm always, I personally am a big advocate about that. I don't know what you guys think, but, you know, if Cedro don't win this game in the next series, they'll be dropped down to the Sudamericana, which, you know, the opponents are definitely, you know, of, you know, to say lesser quality than what you see in the Libertadores, but it's also not a certainty that you are going to go far in that tournament as well, Ralph. Uh, you know, just going on that, I mean, yeah, we, we don't know what could happen to them. I mean, we'll, we'll see who they play next week, if it's going to be Deportivo Maldonado Fortaleza. But, you know, I, I think that's always the big question. Do Cedro indeed risk it all and, and try to to go for this group stage um, and, and see what happens from there? Or do they try to do something in the Sudamericana, which, you know, I think for any of these teams, we're talking on the day that Independiente del Valle won the, the Recopa, the, the, the South American Super Cup against Flamengo. They have so many titles already, and they definitely don't have the history uh, in comparison, at least in years, of Cerro Bordeño. But that's kind of the example one has to put in. It's like, do you take that risk and, and try to see what you can do there? I think, well, I think you'll get a slight indication at the weekend in terms of the team Sava puts together because he made about seven changes for the game, for the league game. And then as Fede was saying, brought back this 11. So he's playing what he thinks is the strongest 11 in the Libertadores. Now he has a tough test because he has the Clásico and then next week is is the game, either against Fortaleza or, uh, or Maldonado. It come, you know, it's coming up straight away. So, so you'll get an indication there, but for me, Cerro is Libertadores. It has to be. The money is much better. The, the money in the group stage is, is much stronger. And like you're saying, the Sudamericana, it, there's no guarantees. It's a tough tournament at the moment with the, the amount of Brazilian teams, with where Brazilian football is. It, it's almost just as hard in some ways. So I think, I think if you're Cerro, you, you put everything into the Libertadores. What that means for the weekend, which we'll talk about, it's going to be interesting because it's also going to be Facundo Sava's first Clásico. He doesn't have the advantage that Chiquiase would have of... Chiquiase could have played a B team in the Clásico and you can't accuse him of, of not taking it seriously because he's won plenty in the past. But but for Sava, it's now like, oh, if he, you know, the foreign manager doesn't play his best team in the Clásico because he's saving them for, let's say, a game against Mal, Deportivo Maldonado, that could look... That could that could look bad. So he has a he has a tough decision, I think, in terms of I'm sure he will make changes from this team, but I don't know if we'll see the seven. I think it was like seven or eight changes at, at the weekend. I don't think we'll see something like that. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be a, a mix and feather. You can go in as well because I think that's kind of really the the mo the mood there. And you know, we'll talk again, like I said, about the super classico in depth later on, but that's kind of the big question for Setter fans as well. What type what type of team? is is needed for this side and also just how can they tackle that while also potentially playing a game next week you know obviously the first leg of the game of the of the series that could indeed be the the turning point of their season i don't think they ran that much against curico to be honest i mean they they didn't really do much and in both matches. So I think they're pretty well rested and i i, I do believe that when facundo saba came into Cerro Porteño he took Took charge of this team and saw the calendar. He saw that the Super Classical was going to be right in the middle of these two series. So, so if there was a time to rest the team, it was last weekend. And now to have these guys fresh for these two upcoming games, probably not against Olympia, but the game after that uh, in the local league, they might rest again right before uh, playing the second leg. I, I think that would be the obvious thing to do, right? Put the starting team, the one that's responding very well in Libertadores, we saw that the the subs are not that good uh, as the starting team. Uh, we saw that in the local league last weekend around, especially that midfield. Obviously, we gotta we gotta talk about maybe the team that Central Porteño is gonna put uh, against Olympia, but uh, they're all pretty much rested, uh, Roberto, because they they didn't play their heart out. I believe against Curicó, they, they they even took out the players pretty much halfway through that second half. Robert Morales, the the star the, the stars of this team. 
Pika Lucena also rested. He, 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 he took out pretty much the whole midfield out because you have five subs now. So it gives you that possibility when you have control of the game, just like Cerro Porteño thought they did uh, against Curicó. And I, I thought that was important, right? Just looking forward that you have everybody healthy. It also, you're not having any injuries, which was a problem last year for this same squad. Uh, th that's also important for Facundo Sabato to just keep everybody healthy and keep everybody rested to, to, to demand the best out of these players. Yeah, 100%. I think that's definitely the, the mindset and the mood to go into uh, for one side of Valerio but the other side of Valerio in Nacional certainly will not be a happy camp at the moment because, of course, we're speaking about a Nacional side that, that lost yesterday in Lima against Portivo Cristal, uh, Sporting Cristal. Shout out to Renato, by the way, uh, one of our previous guests, a uh, big uh, Sporting Cristal fan, who I'm sure is very, very vivid and happy about this uh, result. But what we saw from a Nacional side was complete and utter failure. They were up 3-0 at one point, I think, in, in, this, uh, in this series, only to concede five on all in the second half from Sporting Cristal. I mean, Rob, this is... This is a big collapse. You know, first time National have ever conceded five in a Libertadores, you know, for any team to lose by that amount, especially when you've taken the lead, it's a huge blow psychologically. And, you know, I think this National side definitely was had the potential of, of going and, and hopefully doing something even further, even if they didn't beat uh, whoever they're going to play. It was either going to be Boston River or Huracan. They certainly had some sort of an opportunity to get some money uh, maybe in the Sudamericana at worst, but yeah, for them to to lose this one, where do they go from here? Because yeah, it's certainly I think the the hype, especially towards them after what we saw last season, just certainly just diminished away as we saw last night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's it's a very different team from last year's. I think we spoke about before, but what what Saravia had done very well was was get this new group playing playing good football and organized football, and they, they just don't look like a team that would concede five goals. I mean, okay, two goals came in stoppage time. They don't even look like a team now that would concede three goals in the second half for, for it to be, because when it got to 3-1, then suddenly it was going to penalties. Um, I, I mean, it, it's really hard to, strange to to try and put your finger on it. I mean, first, give, give credit to Cristal. Sporting Cristal is a much stronger team than, than Juan Cayo, who they played in the first uh, in the first game. The manager of Sporting Cristal won the, uh, won the Sudamericana with, with Paranaense. I mean, is a, uh, a top coach that they've got in there. They managed to bring on a couple of players in the second half who started to make a difference, who, from my understanding, again, not an expert on Peruvian football, but from my understanding, they're those kind of players that are very frustrating, that sometimes play well, sometimes don't. And last night they started playing well and, and doing the job. But it's a, it's a real surprise for Nacional. I mean, one thing maybe that comes back to is uh, sometimes it's very important, your, your kind of your history in tournaments, your competitiveness, your... Uh, just just knowing how to manage these games and win these games. And for Nacional, this is now the 19th Copa Libertadores game, away game, that they haven't won. 19 is a lot, especially considering they got to the final. So they just don't seem to have that, um, maybe maybe that game management that they're able to do in these tough games. But it's, but it's really disappointing. There's no other way about it. It's really disappointing that you get into that position where you're all, you're qualifying still what like with 30 minutes left because I think I think that's when the two one is, so you just have to see out the game. It's not particularly different difficult and and they collapsed and like you say it's the first time they've ever conceded five. The first time they've lost by four in the Libertadores. Their previous worst was a four one to Cruz Azul, which is 2012. So again, a long time ago. Um, I think they lost three 0 like back in 1983 or something like that. So it's it's just really rare to see this this happen, but is a is a big disappointment. They they and by going out in this phase, as we're talking about, they, they don't get to Americana, they get nothing. That's it. It's over. Yeah, it's it's definitely over for them. And it, it's sad to see that because I think certainly they, they had the potential to do some more. But unfortunately, we're unable to do that uh, as well. So we'll definitely have to see how their season pans out as we switch gears to what's been happening in the local league. Yes, the big game 
happening this weekend, the Super Classic. I want to go to Marie on this one because certainly the game between these two sides is certainly important. Obviously, Cedro are coming in with that win in against Corisco Unido uh, over there in, in midweek. But obviously, a Super Classico is certainly a a different way to to approach things. And you know, I think for Olympia's case, you know, it's a good thing that kind of. Um, Ralph had mentioned, you know, the fact that this is someone in Olympia's case, like Julio Cesar Carces, knows how to play Super Classicos, knows how to win Super Classicos, and of course manage them. So he's he's done it all. He's he's obviously has kind of the upper hand on this one. And even if the even if the table says another thing, I still personally think Olympia are favorites in this one, just because, you know, I, I think Cedar are going to be so focused on that game next week uh, in the Liberta Artist that just. From the way that they've been performing, you would think that, at least in my estimation, I think Olympia can feel much more confident. Maybe it's the pessimistic Sarista and me thinking that way, but I, I don't know. It's just you'd look at how Cedro have kind of really have gone through so much. And yes, Olympia haven't exactly looked the best either, but you know, I've always just seen Olympia in the upper hand with super classicos. And I think I don't think that changes this weekend, honestly. I, I still see them as a as a team that is the one to win uh, in Parauno this weekend. Yeah, um, you know, I think historically, lately, uh, it's been Olympia's, uh, Olympia has been the favorite, uh, you know, in the past couple of Super Clásicos. And with the results as well, you can tell that, that they put a lot of emphasis in this, in this game. Uh, but honestly, I, I see I see Cerro really going for this game. Um, and I'm just saying because I, I, I feel like they, even though they've had a rocky situation the last couple of games and, you know, with their with their new coach, I, I feel like I feel like uh, Saba has really um, it's 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 becoming um, more knowledgeable about this team. You know, it's becoming more um it's really like getting to know their the the team players and 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 really seeing what 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 really really needed, which is you know uh, put uh, getting this whole team together. And you know even though what, all the the crazy stuff that's been going on in Cerro, I think they really come um, out of all of this and and have shown that you know despite everything they can really uh, continue playing and and show them results. So. I don't know. I think it's going to be a really tight game um, this weekend. Um, also, a lot of a, a lot of fans are not really happy with how Olympia are are performing lately. You know, like we talked about last game. I mean, last episode, uh, they are struggling a little bit in their defense side, um, and 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 you know, with with their new um, with their new uh, signing Romagna, uh, they're not. They're not. He's he's not really has been proving or showing too much. Um, he's a little slow in in the in, in the back. So, um, you know, I, I, they are seeing a little bit of hope though because they're 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 having um one of their players is coming back uh, could could be coming back um Alcaraz Antolin Alcaraz. So maybe that does help a little bit um in that section of for Olympia, but. It might be a little crazy, um, a little crazy game this weekend. We'll see, you know, what what they can offer. I think it's gonna be very, um, very uh, self, uh, very centered in in this defensive side because they work on that and 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 they'll probably do work on that. Um, Olympia does have a, a good scoring record, so you know they they've been scoring in in a lot of their games lately. Uh, you know they don't have a problem in that section, uh, so we'll we'll see. I think I think um, it's gonna be a very um, once it's it's gonna be a very um, equal side uh, game. Um, they do have the advantage, like I said earlier, uh, Olympia that they'll be playing at home, so that's that's a really good thing. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. Um, I, I I hope that it's a good game though, but but. Uh, I don't. I don't think that it's going to be a, a very much uh, one-sided side for either of them. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's it's going to be quite close. What we saw, uh, Julio Cesar Cáceres got the better of Chiquias in, in the Clásicos last year. Um, I think Olympia won all of the league ones, right? If I remember correctly, the, they drew the, I think, in Libertadores. But that was, a, that was a different kind of strategy. And, and he got the better of Chiquias' tactics. And it was interesting that we didn't get one of those games that's like a very boring, tight, cautious draw because of that. Because both teams set themselves up to play the way they wanted to play. And, and one team basically overran the other one. But, but it was more like a tactical thing. Here, I wonder if Sava is going to be much more cautious and then you're going to see maybe a much tighter game. Also, from Julio Cesar Cáceres' point of view, he hasn't worked him out yet because we've only seen, he's only played three or four games with Cerro. So I don't think Cáceres is going to say, okay, I know exactly how this team play because everybody knew how Chiquias' team played. It was, it was just, it became like from memory, like we said. So I think we're going to get a much a much closer game, and this could be that kind of game that ends with, with neither team getting the win, which is something we haven't really seen in the league uh, uh, recently. <clears throat> and I was just looking up Sava. He's obviously been a manager in Clásicos. He was at Racing, so he, he had two Clásicos against Independiente, and they both ended in draws. So <laughs> that's starting to give me a little indication of where my prediction might be going. Um, interestingly, he played with Oscar Romero in both of those, so I wonder if he's going to... Uh, get on the phone to, to Oscar Romero and ask him about the, the importance of this game because of course Romero had a great with well, both Romero twins used to play really well in the Clásicos against Olimpia they had a, a very good good record and yeah just thinking about from the Olimpia side their big issue has been defense as, as I think Maria is pointing to with, with, with people like Romania and they played with Sarate and, and Barreto in, in central defense at the weekend and they conceded again i think they've only kept one clean sheet this season so far in the in including the super cup so they're they're really struggling uh, defensively and they haven't found that partnership and he hasn't found he's not convinced by otalvaro he finally dropped otalvaro and, and brought in tuco salazar but i don't know if salazar did enough to really earn that place so he has a problem on on the wings as well um that's, that's the right-hand side. Zavala is new on, on the left-hand side. Let's see how Zavala does against somebody like Beto Espinola, who's that overlapping fullback who's, who's going to be attacking a lot down that side as well. But I think that's Olympia's big problem this, this season has been defensively. And, and we're talking kind of the same with Cerro in the sense that Cerro's problem is they're not scoring enough goals to win games. Olympia is probably they're conceding too many to win games, and so well, let's see how that how that works out. But but I am sensing something very tight, a very close game. I think bad defense on both teams could end up in a game with a lot of goals. That's what I'm thinking, guys. Um, Olympia does not have their starting defenders right now. Who are who are they? I, I really don't know because I I, I think they still haven't showed up. Uh, with their level, I mean, Junior Barreto is has been there all games, but you know, alongside him, it, it was Gamarra for a couple of games until he was sent off. Luis Salate had the opportunity, he did not make the best of it. He he pretty much handed the ball off uh, to that tie against Wairenia, and he was uh, criticized by their fans. Uh, and he, yeah, obviously that that problem on the on the right side also. Julio Cáceres' favorite has always been Salazar, not so much Otálvaro, but Otálvaro, I, I believe, uh, uh, feels better with those players. Uh, he, he has that chemistry with, with certain players, and, and he, he, he's that attacking player. He, he does a lot more when he has to attack than Salazar, I believe. So, uh, yeah, Julio Cáceres needs to make up his mind in the defense, in that midfield, because I, I was really thrown off. I, I think Olympia fans were also very thrown off when he – uh, set down Marcos Gomez that game, uh, but 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 forcing uh, the captain Richard Ortiz back to the team when he's not a hundred percent, or or at least when he's not contributing as much as Marcos Gomez does, uh, it, it did not look good in that first half, and and he had to change it up for the for the second part of the game. And, and he also took out Breda, which was one of the big signings at the beginning of the year, bringing in Brian Montenegro. So he's having trouble pretty much in all three lines of this team, trying to figure it out right now after 
two games and not being able to win. And when you don't win at home, right before playing the Super Classico against Cerro Porteño, you know, fans are going to be on top of this team to try to, to try to do something quick in the Super Classico, I believe. You know, I think they're going to they're gonna want to see an Olympia hungry for the victory. And, and, I could, and I think Cerro could use that to their advantage. You know, the pressure that Olympia could feel for the first time in a long time, the pressure that they did not have last year because they pretty much cruised through the Super Classical, like Rafa was saying, they got pretty much the, the best results all, all year long. So I, I'm thinking that Cerro Porteño, if they're smart about it, uh, uh, this could be a game with a lot of goals. Ralph said it, Olympia has not had had, had it easy uh, keeping a, a clean sheet, and you don't know what you're going to get from Cerro in that defense line either because uh, you have Brock being able to play the, the league games, but he can't play the Libertadores. He might get the starting role against Patino, but then you have uh, Gabriel uh, Gabriel Weiser doing really well as a center back, I believe. I mean, the two games that he played against Curico Unido, he he played pretty well in that spot. So uh, I wouldn't move that team that much. That team uh, it worked out against Curico. Maybe try it out against Olympia, see if you can build some momentum out of that and and, and get the Super Classico. Uh, both teams need to win, Roberto. That's the reality of Olympia of Cerro Porteño. Libertad has taken off, and until they play against Libertad, Libertad is just gonna keep. Keep on winning because uh, they have really good players and they're finding a way to win game by game. Absolutely. I think failure for both these sides to not win us uh, this game, I think gives uh, better news to Libertad, especially of course, if they do beat Trinidense as well after that game. So, I mean, everyone's kind of easing into a prediction. Do I smell it? Yes, I do. Fede, I mean, you kind of mentioned it there. How do you see the Super Classico faring out? I'm going to say that this is going to be one of those super classic goals with, with many goals, just like I was saying. I don't know which one was the last one that had that had like four or five goals, but I, I'm going to go with with maybe like a 3-2 like a for Cerro Porteño or 2-1 for Cerro Porteño. Yeah, I think that we're going to see a, a lot of goals this, this time around. That's what I want. I, I want. I want to show. I want to show Roberto. I want a really good game. I want this super classic goal to go around the world. If it's a 0-0 match, this is going to be really boring and and i hope the, the the fans get the tickets worth it also so i, I want to see goals i want to see a big super classical showdown i love the energy and i love the enthusiasm ralph i mean you know both these managers know how to play uh, classicos some have experience with draws we've kind of see kind of that recurring theme so far but will that be the same this weekend is it's where I'm heading as I think about I mean I agree with the goals by the way I think I think both teams will score I, I don't think we'll see a, a nil nil okay it's hard they're not good enough either side um but I get the feeling I get the feeling they could cancel themselves out a bit and neither team is is in that moment where they're where they're really feeling clicking into gear and they can feel they'll take the win so I'm going to go for a draw and it'll probably be a 1-1 or maybe 2-2. Maybe 2-2 and we get lots of goals. Maria, it's been a while since Olympia have lost at Parauno against Reporteño. Do you feel a shock going underway or do you feel that maybe Olympia have enough to, to continue that streak under Julio Cesar Cáceres? Well, you know, a loss doesn't mean a win. So I think probably I'm feeling also a draw. And with lots of goals as well. So I think I'm going to go with Ralph with this one. Uh, probably a 2-2. Two, two, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that too. I, I think it's going to be a feisty one. I don't think this game ends 11 v 11. I think someone's going to get sent off. Super Classicos always have some sort of <laughs> dramatic issue going on or, or like someone getting sent off for some fight. So I, I see that. I do agree. I do think we'll definitely see goals galore. Um, but I'm not going to be that confident in Fede's case of edging towards a team I think both sides have really had issues defensively and I think I still see that but I think it still is favored towards for me a draw I'm gonna say a 2-2 on this one I think we'll see a very tight game early on then the goals will start to come but somehow um, I think it'll end up in a in a draw on this one I, I really do think that might be the um, the case on on that so definitely going to be a good game and hopefully a very entertaining one as well as let's switch gears to finally unfortunately on a sad note um but with some with a silver lining actually um obviously talking about the efl cup final the the game between newcastle united of miguel Miron taking on manchester united we had spoken about that last week unfortunately newcastle were unable to get any sort of trophy losing on the day at wembley 2-0 thanks to goals from 
uh, Marcus Rashford and Casimiro. I mean, Ralph, I want to go to you on this one because, you know, obviously the silver lining that I'm mentioning is obviously the news that Miguel Midon had signed a contract, a new contract, days before this final, uh, all the way up to 2026 until the World Cup there. So that is very much exciting news, and it shows a bit of confidence given to Newcastle um to miguel to this new project and to tie him up like that i mean performance society didn't see the best miguel um certainly didn't see the best from any newcastle player even from carius who i think for me despite conceding the two goals kind of was the best player on that newcastle side but excluding all that i think the news of this new contract is uh is well deserved especially given the season that he's had and it shows that hey you know we're gonna we're probably seeing a paraguayan play for numerous more years in in uh, in England. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's it's a very good from his representative and his his Asian writer. Now he's in he's in form. It was the time to sign and and get a better deal and get a longer deal. I mean, the only caveat is uh, you have to remember Newcastle now is like Manchester City was about what ten years ago. I guess I can't remember when. But what they you saw, they kept a base of players, but very quickly they could get turnover because they could sign whoever they want. Newcastle hasn't really gone into that turbo mode in, in signing players for crazy money yet, but it could happen at some point. And so that might mean that that Miggy finds he's, you know, he's playing behind somebody that's just that's just world class. I mean, like I say, they haven't done that yet, Newcastle, but there's that, there's always that possibility. But I think what we've seen is, yeah, by establishing this contract. He's staying, he's got a great chance of staying in England. I think he's well respected in the in the Premier League, especially after this season. So we'll hopefully see him there. And like you mentioned, it's really important up to the World Cup. So that's what we really want because we need the very best of him to, to have a, a chance of going to the, the World Cup. And about the game, I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think Newcastle Newcastle didn't play badly, but they just didn't take their chances, whereas Manchester United did, right? It was a game, it was kind of a game that if maybe one of those chances had gone in for Newcastle early, then it could have been a different story. But they, they created something. They, they had, they definitely had the best fans down there. They won that battle, which I know a lot of Man United fans wouldn't like to hear, but it was, it was brilliant, wasn't it? The atmosphere they had. So it's good for me. And it's not, he's not the only... Uh, Paraguayan player with a chance of silverware because last night Brighton won in the FA Cup. Julio and Cesar played the last 15 minutes, so you never know. Brighton could get us to, to an, FA, uh, an FA Cup final, and, and Julio and Cesar has a chance, so we're still holding on to that. Yeah, I, I saw a um, I saw a Newcastle that didn't really take their their chances as, as good as it should have. I mean, going against the Man United for 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 a, a final game like this is very stressful and is very competitive, and it's gonna be uh uh very tough on 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 this team. But I also didn't see much of um Almiron, and and like you said, guys, he didn't have a great game like we were we've been used to seeing him, and I thought that was a little disappointing because I really thought that he could have done it. He could have um. He could have made this team win, and and obviously it doesn't fall on him. He's got great teammates, but uh, he's been kind of the star of, of of the team lately. And and I thought that that he understood that um, that role that he has in this in this team and 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 this kind of competition. But I guess things happen for a reason. Uh, you know, I guess they can can continue to uh, to focus on on the Premier League, which. Um, uh, it, it should be one of their main goals anyways. So um, a good for Amiron to continue working in, 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 in this team. And, and I think that he's, like I said many times before, he loves it there. Uh, people love him there as well. Uh, would have liked to see more of him, uh, you know, uh, in this game. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a learning experience as well. So obviously uh, he's not going anywhere right now. So. I think he's um, he's set right now and he's looking good. So good for him. I think it's great for the player, right? Just to know his future, uh, just to know that, that he can be calm about it, that he can 
uh, focus on the football and his family, just like he's done these last couple of seasons. I think that's been good for him also, right? To just to to get to this level in Newcastle to the stage. At, but they're clearly not there yet, guys. Uh, they're not. Uh, uh, they're not ready for these big stage. They're not ready for these big games, I believe yet. Um, they had trouble against the big teams. I mean, they don't have good games, but they didn't get the results against the big teams in the Premier League. Let's remind that. So uh, uh, it was unfortunate to see that in this final against Manchester United that you didn't have a close game, that you didn't have a big uh, a big play from Miguel Almiron at least, right? Uh, a couple of highlights. Uh, but I do think it is it's a good season, no matter how it ends. Uh, still. But it would be great, just like Maria saying, for them to get into the ch to Champions League, just because that's gonna pretty much force the owners to put in more money in this roster, right? To bring in more good players, and I think that would just uh, put uh, bring their level up even more for next year. Uh, I do think that's gonna be very important just to see where Newcastle heads now, just to see what kind of players they bring in. We know Miggy's gonna be part of it. He's part of the project. He he earned that spot. That's why they're re-signing him. Uh, and I, I think he's earned that after bringing bringing him from from MLS after Newcastle spent so much money on him. I think you know they feel, they feel like he's earned it, and that's why they're re-signing him for for a long deal. But they still got five really hard games ahead of them. I, I was looking at the calendar, and they fall behind. Uh, Tottenham Tottenham has has run hot lately, and they, they need to catch up, and they play against big teams. Roberto. So we'll see how this season ends up for them and for Miguel Amidon. Miguel Amidon has to uh, get out, out of his closet, uh, the Albi Roja also, because as, as of now, it's official. We're playing Chile in Santiago March 27th. So we'll see Miguel Amidon hopefully back with the I'll be Roja shirt, and maybe we'll see Julian Cesar, as Ralph was saying. We'll see if, if he's considered also. Uh, Robert Morales is back, so hopefully uh, we'll see that young attacking team that we saw just in one game with the Albi Roja before they got injured. 100%. I think that's always a, a big thing. Yes, Newcastle are still in a race to qualify for the Champions League. It's not, of course, certain because, you know, the, the Premier League always has a lot of surprises, be it who's going for the title for the uh for the uh the top four places for european spots or even relegation so hopefully that we can see definitely miguel miron in europe next season a european competition i should say uh with this newcastle united side is a great way to close another great episode uh and hope everyone enjoys the super classico if they do indeed watch it it should be a really good game and uh yeah thanks for everyone listening so for myself roberto rojas fede perez maria Ritos, and ralph hannah thank you so much for listening in see you soon <laughs>